Okay. If you heard what I was saying to the kids, we're not going to finish Revelation today. I'm milking it for all it's worth and just an excuse to get you guys to come back one more week. But uh, it's related to Revelation. It's going to be a topical message. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 9, and it's called Times of Trouble. Times of Trouble. I got to let talk to him. And with that, I think that this message fits in good. It's something that's been on my heart, and sometimes occasionally I have to share it. Uh, whether that's good or not, I don't know. Hopefully it's not a waste of time, and you don't regret coming out this morning. Uh, but I don't usually do topical message. I, I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with them. But part of uh, my opinion on them is that if you listen to topical all the time and not verse by verse through the Bible, you can kind of get a little lost. You can kind of get a little disconnected from the scripture and not know where you are. Sometimes, I, you know, I remember growing up and listening to different messages. I wouldn't, you don't know the context. You don't know where it is. And you just say, okay, well, I'm never going to find this. I can't flip there in time. And you miss out. And, and not that they're not important. They're important to have certain topics and learning certain things. Uh, but I think if that's all we have and we don't go through the scriptures and don't see the things that we don't want to see, go through the boring things, so to speak, from time to time, uh, we, we really become dependent on someone else's opinion and knowledge. And of course, that can come through any kind of teaching. A lot of this could be my opinion, right? Um, and I hope that you can scrape that away, scrape my opinions away, especially from today. But hopefully that the word would remind us in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is living and powerful, living and active, I might say, in another transition, uh, translation, sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discern the thoughts and tents of the heart, that the word gets to the bottom of it. And the word is strong enough to stand on its own. I have a, a pastor friend and I, we've debated about this before, uh, a friendly debate. I was talking about, like, I wonder if we just shared the, the scripture and the scripture alone on Sunday... Would that be enough for people? Is there, is there something not enough about having too much scripture on Sunday? I don't know. And I don't want to go down this road for too far. I'm hopefully setting this up that we might, oh, there's my mom, that we might see what I'm hopefully trying to get at today as we get into it. Because I wonder if topical is all we want. Topical is good. Verse by verse is good. But I think sometimes the problem with the church is that's all they want. They just want to live, quote, better lives. They want 10 rules for better relationships. They want five points on how to be a better Christian. And they want to celebrate whatever special Christian holiday it is, Reformation Sunday. All these things are good and well, but can you even remember the 10 points that the pastor said at the end of the message, let alone when you're in the middle of the trial in the week? Can you remember the five points and are you really going to go through step by step and follow them by a letter of the law during the week? And I wonder if that's all we want or are we soldiers? Because 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, you must endure hardship. And I emphasize that on purpose today because of what we're going to talk about. Hopefully you guys can hear me okay. We must endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And he says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And I want to set that up today because there's a lot of things I'm going to talk about are being entangled in the affairs of this life. And I don't think that we should be so untangled that we're apart from it, but to remember that where we're going and what our motive is in life. Um, but that doesn't mean that we totally ignore the, the, the affairs of this life. Because is the word of God enough for us? Because Titus 1.1, Paul says, uh, according to faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth, which leads to godliness. 
that just knowing the truth, just knowing the Bible will lead you and I to godliness, right? I cannot teach you how to be godly. I cannot tell you what the right way for you to act is at work, at home, right? I can give you some guidelines, right? Like the Ten Commandments with the kids. Don't steal, don't murder, don't lie, don't covet, right? When it comes down to that nitty-gritty situation with you and your boss, or you in this life situation, I don't know what the right answer is for you. I don't know what the right answer is for my daughter. She wants to go to college. We were having this discussion the other day. It's got to be, what does the Lord have for you? He may have that for you, or he may not, right? And I think I've shared something similar to that before. Why? Because ultimately, being godly and following God is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of that relationship between you and him. Listening to that still small voice when you're at work and the situation coming up, and even though you might think you're in the right to do it, God says, nope, don't do that. Don't say that. Shut your mouth. <laughs> do what they want you to do, even if you don't want to do it, right? Things I've been struggling with lately. Work has been not very fun lately. My boss would agree the same thing. We've been going through some things and we've been talking about it. We're glad to have work, but man, we we're trying to hash through some stuff. You know, want a better marriage? Read Ephesians 5. Paul doesn't give 10 points on how to be a better husband. He says, be like Christ, die for her. I don't like that. I close the page. <laughs> I don't want to die when it comes to the argument. I don't want to die when it comes to what towel she wants to put on the oven <laughs> if I don't like it, right? But we don't like that. We want some vain answer sometimes. I'm not saying that's all topical. This is not. What I'm trying to say is, man, I want the meat and I want you guys to want the meat. And I, all I want to do is talk about the meat because we're not babies. Maybe if you're a brand new Christian, sure. And that's good. And milkshakes are great. Trust me, when Mia was born, I had a milkshake. It's my dad. That's all they had. I went down to the quick check across the street. But I won't harp on that forever because it's pretty simple. And even besides from that, I don't know how to be a good person. I don't. If you knew me the way the Lord knew me, you'd want a restraining order. That's the way it is. But the only thing I can offer you, hopefully, is point you to where I go. And that's to the Lord. That's to the Bible. That's to the ultimate person. He's not a good person. He's the ultimate perfect person. And that's what I think we need to be to be the church. Not a club. Not a self-help seminar. And really, in our day and age, not a satanic self-love prescription. You need to forgive yourself. You need more me time. And No, that's not the Bible. We need Jesus. We need to lay our lives down. We need to consider others better than ourselves. But I set that up for today's message because you might not like what I have to say. I may not like what I have to say. You may not agree, and that's okay. I'm not asking for any agreement on any of this. Uh, hopefully, it's worth your time, like I said. Hopefully this is more than just me just harping on an issue that's close to my heart. And that's probably, probably my problem with topical for me personally is I would just harp on what I want to harp on all the time. You know, I tend to do that even verse by verse. And that's not what anyone's here for. I don't want to waste your time with my opinion. I want to give you God's word as much as possible with me by God's spirit. And maybe I'm off the mark in anything I share here today. But the problem with me is at least I don't think I am. I think I'm right on the mark. And that's the problem. I'm a little stubborn in it. And maybe that's a bigger problem than I realize. And like I said, I can't wrap up Revelation until we get some practical application of that revelation out of the way. 
because revelation should not feel so far away. And sometimes I fear it feels distant. It feels in the future. Uh, it's literally what happens next. Meditata. After these things, the scripture says. And in my translation, what's next? What's next on TV? You know, you leave Netflix on and it, the next episode is going to play in 30 seconds, right? What's the next episode for us? And again, I'm not claiming to, to say the things that I think are coming next are gospel truth. I don't even know what I'm doing this afternoon vaguely. Maybe I'm going to Craigslist to pick up something for Mia. But other than that, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe they'll never get back to me. I don't know what's going to happen, let alone what's going to happen in the world in the next week or month or years. But what I do know is that God's word is prophecy. That Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That he's the ultimate prophet. And when Jesus says things, when the Bible says things are going to happen to us, they're going to happen. The big question is, well, where do we fit into it happening? Uh, first, uh, first Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22 says, rejoice always. That's kind of hard. Pray without ceasing. Here's, here's a good topical message, right? Do we rejoice always? Do we pray always? And everything, do we give thanks? That's hard. When work goes rough, when it's not going well at home, when the kids aren't doing things, when you get an extra bill and they weren't expecting, you finally feel like you're on top of things and then you got to cut trees. <laughs> it's all these things happen, right? But give thanks. This is the will of Christ Jesus in you. But he says, what I want to focus on is, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every appearance of evil. That's a tough one. If we were to focus on that for a whole day, abstain from every appearance of evil. Does it look evil? Oh, it doesn't even have to be evil. Can someone misconstrue, as they like to say, in politics and and society, what are the optics of this situation, right? But I want to focus on do not despise prophecy and test all things. Don't despise it. Like we talked about through all Revelation. Revelation starts off at the beginning. It's a blessing. Read it, you'll be blessed. Share it, you'll be blessed. Go through it, you'll be blessed. And I think we, we despise that. And Lord, this morning as we get into your word, may we not despise it. May we apply it. May we set aside our lives and follow you no matter what the cost at the same time, Lord, help us be wise and be aware, uh, have our spiritual head on a swivel, so to speak, that God, like I was talking with me the other day about being observant, how observant she was in that situation at the gas station. I'm like, this could save your life. And Lord, I know that you want us to be wise and observant, that it might save our life ultimately, spiritually, uh, and those around us. But I think also in some way, practically as well. So God, help us through this, we pray. God, may my words just be washed away, just be your words, uh, even if it's just, God, that you love us and you're here with us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And sometimes I wish you guys on the, on the video could be in on worship, and I tried again today and it didn't work. But I say that because the songs that we sang and listened to today, I think really went in line with some of what we're looking at here. But I ask, do you feel that? Do you feel that? You're like, what? Does the heat come on? Is that candle burning over there setting up the smoke alarm again? But no, I think what we're feeling right now, that's the feeling of being robbed. Taxation, freedom, inflation, cost of goods, living, interest rates, mortgage rates. That's the feeling of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness being stolen from us. And maybe you go, I don't feel that. Well, good. I hope you don't feel it, but I'm feeling it. And when we feel that, we should remember who is the ultimate thief. Who is the liar? Who is the one who's come to steal kill and destroy. Nancy Pelosi, sure. 
But who's the one behind Nancy Pelosi, right? And if you're paying attention at all these days, hear me out. If you're paying attention at all these days, you should get troubled. And I'll caveat that with, don't worry, we're going to look at scripture later that would correct that. But it was the other night, and I was going to bed, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, honestly, I'm scared. I'm worried about what's going on. I'm really bothered right now by the things that are happening in the world. And I said to him, is it all hype? Are there going to be these calamities? Are these problems going to happen? And then I got into my devotional reading at night. And normally I read Psalms in the morning, but I've switched to Psalms at night for a change. It's been really refreshing the way it just it processes different at night and the Lord's administering to it. But with that, let's turn through our scripture, our main scripture for today. And that's Psalm chapter 9. Psalm chapter 9. It says, For the music director to the melody of the death of a son, a psalm of David. And he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will declare all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies are turned back, they will stumble and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging what is right. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have wiped out their name forever and ever. O you enemy, destructions have come upon, uh, come to you for a perpetual end. You have destroyed cities and their memories perished with them. But the Lord remains forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness. I believe we've even looked at this verse uh, through Revelation. But he says he will judge, uh, give judgment to the peoples in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Right? And it goes on. And I just want to point out verse 1 of Psalm 10 says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And he goes on there. And the Lord really ministered me with verse 9. He says, The Lord will also be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And I asked the kids the other night, What does this say? Does this say that God is going to keep us out of bad times? And they all meet were like, No. I said, well, what does it say then? And they said, he would be our refuge in those times of trouble. And that comforted me. God didn't say times of trouble aren't coming. He said times of trouble are coming, but I've got a place for you. I've got a refuge for you. Ultimately, as we've seen in Revelation, we get out of the tribulation and we go to heaven and we're rescued from that time of trouble and the whole time of trouble of history past of sin. But on earth, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, make no mistake, trouble is coming. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's a funny word, but it means lots of trouble. And the Lord says, also says, not to be troubled. So if you're paying attention, you're going to be troubled. So the question is, what do you do with those troubles? We're to take them to the Lord. And when we take them to the Lord, guess what? Like this psalm, like this time that the Lord I had the other night did, it took away my dread. It took away my panic. It took away my extreme worry and my anger for a moment. Because I know that God hears me. And that God's going to get me through. I don't know how he's going to get me through. It may not be the way I want. It may not be the way I like. It may not be fun. It may be awful. 
It may even mean death, but I know God is going to get me through. And although God took away my worry, do you know what he hasn't taken away? He hasn't taken away my sense of responsibility about this trouble that's coming upon us. To talk about it and to prepare and to do everything I can to be wise when I do see trouble coming. Proverbs 22, 3. I've said this before. I like to harp on it. It says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Like my daughter the other day. If we're looking around and we notice some weird things going on, we can avoid getting beat up. We can avoid getting robbed or we can avoid these other things. Just because we looked around, we saw the evil coming up the road and we said, I'm going to turn around and go the other way. So what is this trouble I keep talking about? Well, honestly, it's a lot. I can't cover it all. I'm not going to do any of it a service today. And uh, today might sound more like a newscast than it does a church service. But number one, I would say, would be the West pushing for nuclear war with Russia. And you heard that right. The West pushing for nuclear war. Wasn't Vladimir Putin the one who's invaded Ukraine and he's the one threatening to use nukes? Well, there's a whole lot more going on there. And again, I'm not a Putin fan. I'm not a Putin sympathizer. The guy was KGB. I'm sure he's murdered a lot of people with his own hands just because he wanted to. But the fact that the Western world would say that anyone who would doubt the narrative and not want war with Russia is somehow labeled a Russian sympathizer. And that should tell us something. That fact alone, whether, whether we'll ever know the truth about all the things that are going on, when you're told that, when you're treated like that, just because you want to talk about it, you question it, you see the things are happening, that should, alone should make us question it. That alone should tell us something. When the people a few years ago would hate George W. Bush, right or wrong, and not want to go to war in Iraq, and not want any war, now all of a sudden want nuclear war, that should tell you something. And again, this is way too big a thing to, to back up and talk about in detail. We want to get to other things this morning. But I believe the West wants the excuse. And whether they actively want it or they just want to exploit it or both, they want this to happen. Because it pushes a goal that's going on. And whether they're uh, accomplished to it, like we talked about before, maybe there's not a conspiracy theory. It's just Satan at work in the world. But do you remember COVID? I think I've said it before. I remember seeing things come out of China, seeing our news say, oh, there's nothing to worry about. You don't need a mask. We're not closing the borders. Nothing's happening. And I said to Ash, I remember you downstairs. We were downstairs in the old house. And I said, this is it. You were like on the floor counting how many cans of soup we had or something. I was like, we need to go to the store. We need to get more stuff because this is it. And on one hand, I was very right. On the other hand, I had no idea what was coming because it didn't happen the way I expected. I grew up on movies like Andromeda Strain and Out Outbreak, and I loved them. But the end of the world was far worse than I imagined. The government turned out to be far more of a danger than any disease that was coming our way. And I can say that not just because of COVID, but even if it was Ebola that was coming on our shores, which it was at one point a couple years ago, the government did things that were far worse. The lockdowns, churches closed, arresting pastors in Canada, suing in California, people getting in trouble. And then that Calvary Chapel won the, the lawsuit or the, against the government because they stayed open and they allowed casinos to be open. Destroying small businesses, those gym owners in New Jersey getting arrested because they want to keep the gym open. Not to mention all the election meddling underneath all this happening, right, as an excuse to meddle in the elections. Uh, changing definitions of words like vaccine, a proven word being changed during that time. Rushing a medicine, a medicine, quote unquote, into the populace no matter the deaths. 
the individual doesn't matter to these people, right? It's the greater good. This illusion of control, these measures that obviously didn't do anything that people still go along with. A little plastic barrier here to protect you at the supermarket. Meanwhile, you sneezed on your hand, you touched the cereal, they touched the cereal, they put it in the bag, right? Uh, I always love when I go to Walmart or somewhere and they, they, it sells uh, touchless payment, but I have to hit okay for <laughs> Like, hello, that kills it all. If you really wanna be absent from this, you need to wear a bubble. And some people were wearing bubbles and I think that they were doing exactly what you'd have to do to avoid getting sick, but you have to do that for the rest of your life. So it was an illusion of control, not to mention everything else, getting people hooked on all those handouts, passing trillion dollar bills, right, for COVID relief. But when you dig into it, it was sending millions to Pakistan for gender studies. Remember that for later, right? Why would a COVID bill send millions of dollars to a third world country, no offense to my Pakistani friends, for gender studies? Do you think the Pakistani Muslim population has anything to do with gender studies? No. Forcing people to inject this substance that's untested, unproven, whether it works or not, I'm not going to get into that argument. But the fact that they would get fired over it or couldn't get groceries over it because they wouldn't put something in their body at behest of the government. And now they're all getting their jobs back. Can you imagine if you didn't want to take it and you were forced to take it and you got sick and now they're saying, oh, sorry, we didn't mean to force you. This control of speech with approved narratives, getting banned from speaking out online. Again, people getting banned even now. Like, it's crazy. And I don't want to go down that path. Again, I'll harp on this and it'll turn into to me in a soapbox versus a Bible study. And I want to keep the focus on why I'm talking about this. But these things should alone should be enough to wake anyone up. I'm not talking red pill, blue pill, any of that. You should see this and go, things are not right. Things are not all good in the world. When September 11th happened and I was reading Revelation, I was feeling lost. God began to use it to wake me up and say, things are not all good in the world and things are not all good in your life and you need me. And I know that God wants to use that now, but the deception is so great. I wonder how many will turn because this is the system of the Antichrist. As we see these things I just talked about, these are the things that are the prime of the pump for the, the final world government that is coming. These are the things that they want to use. They look to China. And it's just getting revved up in anticipation of what? The removal of the church. Removal of the Holy Spirit's influence. She says, okay, you can do what you want to do. And then Satan fully takes over. But think about that. Nuclear war, even limited, would be far, far worse than COVID. And likely what the government does would make it even worse. Remember the mishandling of Katrina and other natural disasters? The UN reports released three reports lately that say nations aren't doing enough, going fast enough to deal with climate change. Three degrees in the next 80 years, if that even happens, right? Like, it's an excuse. As I say, I always I believe it's just seasons of seasons. And you can argue science all day, but what the, the fact that we think we have any control over it at this point, that telling cows to stop tooting is going to be worse, right? I saw this clip of these kids the other day. They were like, we need to stop farming. Farming is the biggest factor to climate change. I'm like, okay, great. I can, I can keep my gas guzzler then. We just don't need cows. It's going to get worse because everyone's bought into it. And if you don't, you're ostracized against it. Our nation, our world is built on fossil fuels. 
your clothes, the couch, the walls, everything has plastic. Where do they think all this stuff is going to come from? And the thing is, the masses go along with it, as I'm sure, I know I'm preaching to the choir on this one. But they don't realize that they're signing up their own death warrant. Because if the governments today could shut it off, if Greta Thunberg was given the button, right, they would shut it all off right now. Those climate change activists gluing themselves to the Porsche dealership, throwing tomato soup on the classic paintings, right? They're not thinking this all the way through. They're using super glue. Like, come on, if you really want to stick yourself, go get some one-minute epoxy, right? Shove that on your hands. You'll be there for a little while. But ten thousands of, thousands of people are expected to die in Europe this winter from the cold, not having enough heat. There's people lining up to buy coal. I mean, if I can believe the articles, there's lines of cars and they're all lining up to buy coal. But I thought we wanted clean energy and they want coal. Our strategic reserves, right? Think about even what that means, a strategic reserve, right? This is the oil that's meant for a time of war and strategy and it's reserve to fuel the tanks, to fuel the airplanes. And the government is letting it out and thinking, oh, look at how much we're letting out. And meanwhile, the amounts that they let out sound like a lot, but it's really only hours worth of consumption. It doesn't really do anything other than deplete our savings account. And it's drained to the lowest level in 40 years. And that's the fake news. And, and think about if we have, I think, what is it, 23 days left of diesel in the reserves, if that's, to be, if that's to be heard, and we shut down the pipelines and we're not doing new leases. I'm not saying it will happen. But if we did run out of diesel, think about all the implications that has. Every train that drives, every truck that drives, right? Let alone all the jet fuel and everything else. Everything would come to a halt. The gasoline that gets delivered to your gas station, how's it delivered? By a diesel truck on the last mile. And maybe you heard this blip in the news recently about the Georgia Guidestones. I know I touched on it during Revelation, right? Uh, that these Stonehenge-looking thing in Georgia was bombed, and it was just a little news article. Uh, and the thing even sounded like conspiracy theory, if you mention it, even up until recently. Uh, but it was put up in 1980. And I apologize if you know about what these things say, but listen to what it says. I'm going to read the Ten Commandments of the Georgia Guidestones. It's probably why I gave the kids the Ten Commandments. Um, but compare it to the sentiment of the world. The sentiment in the mainstream news, in politics, in Europe, in elite circles, in government and higher education, in movies and media, everywhere in the world. Remember, Spirit of the Antichrist is in the world, right? It's been in the world, it's in the world, it's just waiting for the right time, waiting for God to say, okay, you can do what you want now. God's the one restraining. But listen to this. It says, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Well, that sounds nice until you realize that there's 9 billion people on earth, and how do you go from 9 billion to 500 million? Guide reproduction wisely. Oh, that sounds so wise. Improving fitness and diversity. That means abortion. That means all these uh, things going on. You think all these gender changes are on purpose? Unite humanity with a living new language. Well, that'll be interesting when that comes around. Rule, passion, faith, and tradition. Oh, these are great. Passion, faith, and tradition. And all things with tempered reason. Trust the science. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean equity? Does that mean no hate speech? Does, what does that mean? Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Are they really allowing us to rule anything internally? I don't think so. Because if that world court is in charge, they say what goes on internally. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. 
Balance personal rights with social duties. Again, what does that mean? That means lay down your personal right in the greater good of the social duty. That's communism. Prize truth, beauty, and love. Seeking harmony with the infinite. Is that not new age? <laughs> Seeking harmony with the infinite? Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. If you look at, I forget what that map was I showed a couple weeks ago. That was the proposed zoning and the areas that you could and couldn't use. But again, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. This is the gateway for the first half of the tribulation. And it was set up in Georgia in 1980. This wonderful utopia being ushered in by our gracious overlords. This is what they want. These are their tenets. And it's been said that data is more valuable than oil and gold. And the world's most valuable resource is no longer oil but data, says the economist. They don't care about oil anymore because they found something richer to harvest. And that's you and me. Because control of humanity is the resource of this brave new world. It's not oil. It's calling down to 500 million. It's the elite still having their Bill Gates farms, right? And still eating the steak while the rest of the people wash the dishes and take care of the robots and eat the bugs. Because the free market is not driving these changes. And I know I sound crazy because it is crazy. It's insane. And again, what's worse is that people want it. They're clamoring for it. And it's literally the end of the civilization as we know it. That for the past 2,000 years, good and bad has been the result of the church on earth, of God's grace, of God's Holy Spirit being poured out on us. And the rapture concludes that age, from Pentecost to the rapture. And then what takes place? The new age comes into being, where all those tenets are taking place when man reaches enlightenment. And again, it's the Holy Spirit and the church's influence is what holds that back. It's why we don't go along with it. It's why we resist. It's why the Constitution exists, because we understand that government by man is corrupt. The Constitution exists in our country to limit the government, not us. And here's why it was a PG-13 message, because we've reached perversion of man to the ultimate in our Western society. And I don't mean to harp on this, but it's kind of the, the facts. That AIDS in the 80s brought homosexuality to the forefront. It was this closet thing, this fire island thing. And then all of a sudden this disease came out and it got the news and we all began to feel compassion for these people. And again, I don't want anyone to get sick and die. But sometimes that's the consequence of our actions, right? And that happened in the 80s. And then the 90s, that compassion and that media brought it home to us in our living rooms. So shows like Friends, Will and Grace, etc., etc., normalizing this abhorrent behavior. Well, they just wanted equality with marriage. Well, why marriage, right? I don't need to get into that today, but I think you see where I'm going because of where it's ending up. Because we've reached, and honestly, I've heard it say that we've reached the end of this perversion, but I know it can go a lot further than it is even today. Where we have little boys dressed looking like women prostitutes. I've seen the videos on the news. It's, you would think I should get arrested for even being able to see something like that. But it's news. It's promoted. Dressed like women prostitutes with makeup writhing on the ground in front of grown men with organs sewn onto their bodies with weird makeup and clothes throwing money at this child. And the parents and a toddler in a stroller looking on. This is promoted in school. This is promoted in government. This is promoted by Disney. I'll send you the clips if you want to see them. If you want to know that I'm not making this up. 
And if you resist, you're a bigot. You are cut off. You are sued. You are outcast. You could lose your livelihood. States want to take away children. Virginia, a Democrat, put in a law to pass to take away children from parents and arrest parents for not affirming their child's gender identity? Who that says that the state is in charge? The state is not in charge of my children. But society, I make this, I bring this point up because society cannot continue when we reach this point. It's already over. I'm not, for time, I'm not going to read it. We know it, Romans 1, 18-32, that this is God's abandonment judgment. He has turned us over to our own wickedness. We have rejected God in every conceivable way. We've rejected man and woman even, right? We rejected God in prayer in the beginning. We rejected his laws about sex and marriage. We wanted divorce. We wanted homosexuality. And now we rejected even the base in the beginning. God made them male and female. How can we continue as a species when we reject the basic tenets of biology? We cannot. Especially when our literal enemy, China, is taking all of our money. If you look at graphs of the Chinese economy and when we began offshoring things and how, how wealthy America would be if we just kept everything in-house, we'd be able to afford the American-made goods because the economy would feed itself. But we've offshored it. And they're building their military, their influence, and their society with the money that we make. And it's almost like it's impossible to not buy anything from China. I think everything on this table is probably made in China and half of it's junk. But they're teaching their kids to be strong men and women. They're teaching their kids to adhere to their moral principles. Granted, it's communism, it's godless, it's, but it's tradition, right? They're teaching their kids and their kids want to be astronauts. Our kids want to be Social media influencers. They want to be strong soldiers and smart and know math and science. Our kids want to change their gender and don't even know who they are and don't want to own anything and think they're owed everything in the world. And listen to this. I know this sounds conspiracy theory, but it's all while we use Chinese apps like TikTok, right? Read the terms of service in that and you're going to go, this is, this is, this is a data mining, data mining operation. But sincerely, the algorithm is different. In China, TikTok promotes science, promotes communism, promotes being a good citizen, promotes these manly things and these feminine things, right? But the algorithm is very different in the West. And that's by design. The algorithm of the West is meant to corrupt the West. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's on purpose. But how many other issues do we have? Killing babies up to birth is somehow a matter of privacy and choice. I don't know if you got those flyers in the mail for the Supreme Court Justice in Montana, and she's standing up for uh, Montana's right to privacy, and you look who it's funded by, it was funded by Planned Parenthood. No, I, I brought it home to show the kids, and I threw it out, and the other one I ripped up and I wanted to light on fire by the mailbox, but I figured that might be a felony, so I didn't do that. But the person in the Oval Office is literally, no matter who, what side of the aisle you're on, you have to recognize that this guy is weakened at Bernie's. He's literally not in charge being puppeted around. The deep state mocked a few years ago. Now they're the heroes, these people that are entrenched in society, holding our government up. Social media banning presidents. Banks kicking people out of the banks for saying things they don't like. PayPal finding people. Canadian truckers. European farmers protesting because farming is being... You would think that, you know, if in all logic, right? Russia's invading Ukraine, invading the breadbasket of Europe. We're talking about a global famine next year, right? In Africa and the world that are dependent on these regions. You would think that other nations of Europe would go, you know what, we probably need to farm more. But you know what they're doing? They're saying we need to farm less. And the farmers are protesting about it. And they need to farm less because they're worried about 
the, the climate and the cow, the cow flatulence. The richer, and yet the richer buying up all the farmland. China's buying up farmland. They're telling us to eat bugs. They're banning gas cars by 2035, gas appliances now in California. Criminals are going free in Illinois for violent crimes and other worlds too. Flood of people coming from all over. No need to ID them or vaccinate them. Just let them over, put them on a bus and give them a free hotel. If this isn't manufactured collapse, I don't know what is because this is beyond inept. This is on purpose. And thankfully, I'm not a 501c3 because I'd only be able to talk about politics 5% of the time by law. But back to the Bible. What are you and I doing? Is there any practical preparation in our lives? And I don't mean to go live in a bunker. I don't mean to never see anyone again. But if you do build a bunker, I want a key. <laughs> right? But there's a balance of trusting in the Lord and also doing. Let's go back to Joseph. There was a famine coming on the land. The worst one they had ever seen. And God gave Pharaoh a dream, but Pharaoh didn't understand it. So God put Joseph through all that trouble and tribulation in his life to put him as second in charge in Egypt. That he might be there not only to save himself, to save his family, to save Egypt, but also the whole world at that time. And if Joseph wasn't a godly man, I don't know if there was another one at the time. Maybe there was. Maybe God would have called somebody else. I don't know. But God used Joseph, a man who was listening to God, to do what? Prepare for a famine coming. Noah, right? God told Noah to build an ark. They had never seen rain before. Noah goes, all right, I'll build a big boat. Spends his whole life doing it. Everyone calls him crazy and then the rain comes and suddenly Noah's not crazy anymore. The Israelites, before they were taken out of slavery, what? They had to put their shoes on and eat a light meal. Passover. Because at any moment it was time for them to flee. But God protected them as they fleed. When they rebuilt the wall in Nehemiah's day, they said that they built the wall with one hand, they had the sword in the other hand. You know, when you're putting up the fence around your property, you have your AR-15 in one hand and your hammer in the other. Well, the day's coming when we're going to need to. And the worst part is, I think it's not going to be against our neighbor. I mean, it might be if your neighbor has a Biden sticker on their car. But it's going to be against the government. Because we think we'll never happen. And I think sometimes we think it'll never happen. Why? Because we're unprepared. I don't want to think it's going to happen because I know that I'm woefully unprepared for this to happen. And I don't know that any of us can ever truly prepare for something like global famine, something like all the diesel running out if they truly decide to shut it off. Most of us would probably die. The projections are that 90% of the West would die, right? And I would be in that. No matter how many cows, how many chickens, how many you know, freeze-dried meals you have in the basement, right? We're probably all going to die. But I think we think it's never going to happen because we love our ease. Perhaps we're immature. Perhaps, I don't know what the reason is. Maybe we're just ignorant of the past. If you look at the Dust Bowl, when they overfarmed, and all of a sudden it was famine, and they had to flee and leave their homes and had nothing to eat. Do you think that some of those people were believers? Probably a lot of them were. But wait a minute. They're believers. They shouldn't have gone through that. Well, they did. What about the Great Depression? You think there were no Christians in America that went through the Great Depression? That all the people who went through the Great Depression were unbelievers? No. Soviet bread lines. Oh, it's just the communists. You don't think there's any Christians standing in those bread lines? Millions killed by their governments in the 20th century. Their governments, Pol Pot, Soviets, Germans, Holocaust, killed by their governments. Oh, our government has our best interests at heart. Do they? I'm not anti government. 
I'm pro-government. I'm anti-administration. And I'm probably going to get arrested for this when it goes on Spotify later. But we as believers like to push off all the responsibility on God sometimes. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't to some degree. I'm not saying that we shouldn't put all our faith and trust and hope in God, especially when it really hits that we're probably going to really need him to actually get by and survive, right? It's going to take a miracle to survive some of these things if they happen. But we adopt this attitude of, I don't need to prepare, God will save me. Well, that sounds a lot like the temptation that Satan gave Jesus in the wilderness. Hey, Jesus, throw yourself off the temple. Angels will save you. Hey, Christian, you don't need to prepare. Just run headlong into danger and God will save you. There's this old cartoon, and I didn't look it up, but uh, it's basically there's a flood and someone's on top of their house. And they're saying, God, please save me. And a little rowboat shows up. Hey, you want, you want to get out of the house and get out of the flood? He says, no, no, I'm waiting for God. He goes, okay. And then someone else comes along and someone else comes along and a helicopter comes along. He says, no, no, I'm waiting for God's help. Well, don't you realize that those people coming to get you off the roof in the flood was God's help? Because God gave you wisdom. God gave you insight and discernment. He gave you warning before the calamity and yet you and I did nothing about it. There's sayings about, you know, a lot of the problems that we have in life are really just our own fault. I'm not saying they all are. I'm not saying just because something bad happens to you, you're in sin or you did something wrong. But a lot of times, at least I know with me, if I can't pay a bill this month, it's because I wanted to buy too many toys. It's that building your house on the rock versus building your house on the sand. You know, no offense to my mom in Florida, but I don't know why you'd want to live anywhere where there's a hurricane or you could flood. We have forest fires here, but I can drive away from a forest fire. Can't really drive away from a hurricane. I mean, I don't put me to the test if the whole neighborhood's on fire. Maybe I couldn't get away. But I think the vain things in our society that we've grown accustomed to, like I said before, are being stolen and they're being destroyed before our eyes. And because of that, it should be disturbing. But at the same time, I think it should really force us to look at the kingdom coming and stop putting our treasure in earthly things that are getting stolen anyway. No matter how much you save, inflation's going to wipe it out. No how much you try to, to work hard, the government's going to come put some stupid EPA ruling and prevent you from doing your job. And put these things, put our wealth, put our value where it's not going to be stolen, where it's not going to be destroyed. And that's heaven. Because remember, we're not here for the final judgment, but we're right here now in America's judgment. That this, again, is that Romans 1 abandonment judgment. Our nation is given over to our sin. I believe God's hand is totally off our nation. It's evident. It doesn't mean that his hand is off you and I as believers. I think it's more and more secure around us, ready to snatch us out. But that doesn't mean that just because we're going through the rapture, just because we're not going to go through the great tribulation, doesn't mean that we're not going to go through tribulation. People are going to be crying out for the Antichrist to come on the scene. He doesn't just show up. He shows up and people want him because things have gotten so bad. In Matthew, Jesus says, seek, those who seek to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will find it, right? He says to seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you in Matthew 6, right? Then when we're worried about these things, we're worried about everything coming. If we seek God's kingdom first, our needs will be met. But it may, again, it may not be the way we expected because again, our goal is heaven, like we sang today. That's our home. I think if we're oblivious and we suffer, we can't blame God for it. 
And it's evident we can't live for this world, right? And I think sometimes we think that, oh, eventually things are going to get better. But if you read the Bible, you see it doesn't get better. It gets worse, far worse. And the church is going to lose, so to speak, up until the rapture. Traditional values, families, we are losing and we are going to lose. But that doesn't mean we don't lose without a fight. Because we know in the end, Jesus has already won. We know in the end, the meek will inherit the earth, right? And it should embolden us to live for heaven. And I want to touch back on this point as we're coming close to an end here. Representative Jamie Raskin, Democrat from Maryland, from Bethesda, near where we used to live and tried to minister. He says, Russia is an Orthodox Christian country with traditional social values. And for that reason, it must be destroyed, no matter what the cost to us. He said the quiet part out loud to overuse that saying. That make no mistake, this war, and I was just saying the Middle East, this war in Middle Europe is a war of values. Again, Putin, evil guy for sure. Perhaps he's just seizing on the base in his country like our politicians do. But you can't say he's wrong when he says the West is morally corrupt and evil. And he doesn't want their influence on him. And we're all surprised. Oh, Russia's losing. Ukraine's beating him. Yes, because he's fighting all the might of the entire West in billions and billions and billions of dollars. We are fighting this war through these Ukrainian puppets against him. How could he win that? Never mind that Ukraine is full of food, natural resources, goods that would be beneficial to making lithium batteries for electric cars, like in Afghanistan, and we gave that over to China. Never mind, that's why we pulled out. But the world leaders don't care. They won't listen to our crying. Why? Because this is what they want. The midterms won't save us as much as I can't wait for them to come here and see hopefully a red wave. Politics is not fast enough to stop this rot. And I'm not saying don't vote. I say, yes, vote all the time. Vote as much as you can. Vote twice if you can. Just kidding. But pray. But Christians won't accept that. We look at the flood. We look at the cross. We see that the AC rule for seven years, and yet somehow... Uh, we think that things are going to get better. But God always has that last laugh. Remember, we're not going to be here for the great trib, but we are here now again. Just look at history. Many people are going to die. I believe many Americans are going to die. I believe many Christians are going to die before the rapture. The question is how many, how much, how long, and as believers, should we do anything about it? Think it can't happen to you again? How about the Holocaust? How about the Crusades? How about slave masters, feudal systems in the past, which we seem to be going back to? Do we really think we're never going to face that kind of persecution? The early church's government not only didn't like them, but enjoyed, for entertainment, killing them and having them ripped apart and burned at the stake. Do we believe Jesus? Do we believe the Bible? Or do we think our American bubble is impervious? These world systems, societies, governments, education, media, you name it, they are all together, whether purposefully or not, into perverting this generation completely, pushing it to children. Because guess what? The kids who grew up in this system have been taught this from youth, have been questioning and being perverted from kindergarten or earlier on watching Disney or Teletubbies, whatever it is they watch and they push this stuff. What are they going to be like in 10, 20 years, 30 years? Who are they going to vote for? You think that they're going to want an antichrist? You think that they're going to be so immorally corrupt and hate the Bible? I read this news story last night about this kid uh, sharing the Bible outside an event in Wisconsin, and someone else took his Bible and ripped it and started eating the pages. Is that not demonic? 
I don't know why anyone would send their kids to college without a firm foundation. We go on. Because lawlessness will abound, Matthew 24, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Enduring to the end means you're going to go through something. And all the society talks about love, flies flags of quote-unquote love. It's the very opposite of that. It's loveless. And the fact that women these days are so loveless that they just want to rip babies out and destroy them, that should show us that society is over when the people are supposed to be the most loving parts of society are the most vile and wicked. And part of me, like that song says, I miss my home, right? Part of me wishes I could go back to the 80s and 90s. I could live comfortably on the East Coast. I could take my kids to Dunkin' Donuts and a hockey game and go out to the mall. But it's not there. That world is not there. It's gone. It's never coming back. I could never safely take my kids to a pro sporting event anymore because I don't know what they're going to put on the screen. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to celebrate. And I just would like to go take them to a, a hockey game. And when did all these things take root? When the church was asleep. When the church let the world grow dark through the church taking the world's approach to tolerance. Letting our children be taught evolution. Letting prayer come out of the schools. Fine. You want to take prayer out of schools? Fine. I would take my kids out of your school. You want to teach my kids that they come from a monkey? Fine. I'll take my kids out of your school. Letting the state raise them and the media pervert them. Just ra- I was raised on television. Right? How many quotes do I have of my friends at work or it's just old movies and TV? And I can't let my kids just turn on the TV like you used to be able to. Not that things were perfect. Not that things were morally sound. But I think you know where I'm going about the amount of rot that's out there now. And this is it, guys. Are you ready for Jesus' return? Are you ready for heaven, for home? Are you busy about your father's business? Because we as the church need to pay attention and be the church. We need to be there for each other. You need help. I need help. We all need to be together as a church family. And the sad part is, as I visit churches across the country, it's hard to find that. You get Maybe you get a good Bible teaching. Maybe worship's okay. But then you get to try and talk to people. And as soon as you begin to talk about spiritual things, it's like crickets and headlight, deer and headlights. Bro, like... I don't need you to be a scholar. I just want to fellowship a little bit. I don't need to talk about it all the time, but if it's not there, it's not there. And we had some of that uh, in New York, and I've seen some of that elsewhere, and there are healthy churches like that, but that's what we need. As times get harder, we're going to need to lean on each other more and more as a church. I don't mean start a commune. I don't mean start a compound. I mean, maybe that'll be fun, but sincerely, we need to lean, lean on each other and love each other, and that's how people are going to come to know Jesus. Because the way the church has been doing it, people haven't been coming to know him. People have, granted, the word goes out and he does. But I'm saying, like, the tolerance, look at the church. I'll end here. Because if we're oblivious and we never warn anyone, how can we say we believe? If the Bible says these things are going to happen, the Bible talks about the end coming. And we act like we can just go about our Western life normally. I don't know that we believe what we're reading. That's okay. That's part of growing up, right? Things I believe today, I, I definitely didn't believe as much as I did 10 years ago. I said I did, but now I do more. And 10 years from now, it'll be the same thing. 
But our focus, and I hope that through all this, through all my words, I can wipe them away, our focus should be heaven. That all this should be a catalyst for us to want heaven even more. Not to check out of society, but to check into heaven. Because remember, at the end of all this, we have a salvation. We have a refuge. We have one that we can hide in during this time, right? I'm not saying you have to prep. I'm not saying you have to run out to the middle of the woods. God might call you to go to be in a big city. I don't know. But we have a hope and we have a home and this is not it. And I hope that as we see the rest of Revelation next time, we'll be more confident in that. So God, we thank you for this time together. And God, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would help us be strong in these last days. That God, you would find faith on the earth when you come. And God, help us protect our children. Help us train them up in the way they should go. That God, when they encounter these things in life, they are prepared and we can help prepare them with your word that ultimately that they would have their own faith to get through it and be strong in it. We do pray for our country that, God, you would put your hand on it somehow and bring us to repentance and uh, save us, God. But if not, if America is going to fall, God, would you um, get us through and use us to bring many to you in these last days? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you and keep you in his face shining upon you. There is a vineyard of the Lord. There is a vineyard for our soul. With all our troubles left behind the door, we drink first light until the door.